Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Jim, welcome to Texas yeah. Home Improvement. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it, Cole. I'll make this, try to make this quick. Uh, I'm, I'm in two places right now, uh, moving from one home to another, and I'm renting this this new place, and everything seemed to be running fine with the AC, except now I, I noticed the a high humidity. And so I went and bought a, a thermostat a hydronomer, and it shows, uh, you know, 73, 74 degrees temperature, but the humidity is 80%. So, and I can, the lowest I've ever seen it is, is 75. So I thought there might be something wrong with the meter. So I go home to my other place and it reads around 58 to 60. Yep. So it's not the meter. And no. I, it feels humid. You're walking around and just you with a sweat rag almost if you do any work. So what's going on? The temperature is great. Well, is the system cycling on and off pretty fast? No, it's not short cycling. It'll run for almost all day. Okay. Uh, then there's got to be something with the blower uh, speed, probably, that it's not going across the coil slow enough to be pulling the humidity out of it. Uh, you're going to end up getting uh, an AC repair company out there to take a look at it. Uh, because, yeah, the humidity should be pulling it down. Ideal humidity ranges are... On the low side, 45, and quite frankly, most people start feeling itchy at that. But typically, you want to get it down between 45 and 65. No more than 65. Uh, really, 45 to 60 is a good range. Okay. Yeah, in our house, it's like in the high 50s, and it's very comfortable. Yeah. Uh, but I come over here, and it's like, I read, it's the lowest I've ever seen. I'm moving around to make sure that, it's, you know, I, I'm getting a good reading. And the lowest I've seen is 75, and it's been over 80 at some times. And now, so, there's, uh, there's several things that can be causing it. One, the, the coils in the attic could be dirty. Uh, two, a, a blower motor is going too fast. Uh, you know, there's several things, but they're literally going to have to come in and, and start uh, looking at the system and see what's going on to determine what's causing that. Okay, it could be multiple causes. Okay, I just yeah. thought you might uh, uh, have a... Uh, a simple answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. did you say it was a rent house? Yes. And see, typically when it's a rent house, my first inclination is going to be dirty coils. Oh, you know, the, the, the filters, the, the, the landlord didn't even know where the filters were. And we found them, they were awfully dirty. That so, would do it. Yeah, see, and, and when that, what happens is then the coil gets covered with... with uh, dirt and dust and you know whatever else gets up in there now the air is not moving across them properly to take the moisture out well then that makes sense with the history of the uh, what little i know about it and then yeah. uh is it, is it pretty easy to fix to clean the coils it, it actually depends on the the brand of system uh some of them it's real easy to pull them out and clean them or open up a panel to have access others you got to dismantle the system almost to to get to them so it'll just be it'll just depend on the brand and and uh, type of system that that they have in there okay well thank you so much you've been very helpful you bet you take care rick in harlingen jim how you doing wonderful what i'm calling about i'm renovating a house and uh 
uh, we we demoed the house and we took out the uh, and yet there was still an odor remaining. So I had them strip all the sheetrock off the bathroom walls and take out the bad insulation, and that seemed to get rid of it. And now I'm wondering what would be the best uh, insulation to put back in those bathroom walls. I was had done some online checking, and they were talking about foam, spray foam, and I wondered what you recommended. You know, I got no problem with foam in the walls. I just don't like to encapsulate the whole house with foam insulation. Uh, but if you if you want something that's not going to absorb, you need to use a closed-cell foam uh, because open-cell is much like a sponge, and if water gets on it, it just soaks it up and holds it, where the closed-cell won't do that. And, and especially since you're looking at doing this in a in a wet area that way, I would highly recommend that you stick with a, a closed cell. Closed cell foam, and then uh, I was thinking this would also do some soundproofing effect too for the bathrooms. And then we'll oh, the foam, back. yeah, foam does an amazing job on that. Yeah, then go back just the regular sheetrock. Uh, green rock. Green rock. Yep, the moisture-resistant rock. Uh, you know, everybody always goes back with regular sheetrock and only use the green rock in in the like the tub surround and it's supposed to be just the opposite the green rock goes everywhere in the bathroom and in the tub surround it should be a concrete backer board okay got you thank you very much you bet you take care kathy how are you today i'm just lovely except we've got a problem Uh uh-oh these drain bugs they are just nasty uh we got something from solutions to put down in the drain But what attracts them so I can kill them? I mean, I have a clean household. (laughs) I feel plagued. Uh, So what attracts them so I can attract them and kill them? Uh, Sugar. Sugar Sugar water. Kind of like like, uh, ants. Mix a a little sugar water, and uh, that will typically attract them. Okay. Now... Is there poison I can put in there? uh, I was going to say, if you add some borax in that... That will okay. usually take care of killing them as well. Okay. Where are they coming from? More How do than, they get into the drain? Oh, well, they can fly into the drain, but more than likely it, it's just uh, something got in there and started growing, and you know now they just keep reproducing. You would think that running the water and flushing it out real good would get rid of it, but it, it doesn't. Well, I, I put, believe it or not, we have some even in the washing machine. So I put some bleach and some ammonia and closed the lid, thinking that you know that's that's toxic. Yeah. So hoping that kill them. But uh, the solutions uh, stuff I put down in the sink uh, helped tremendously. But I, I'm sitting at the computer and they're dive bombing the computer and me. So I mean, it's, it's a you know, if you're getting them into the dishwasher as well, I'm really how how old a house is it? Twenty-five years old. Okay, so you got PVC plumbing, um, because I'm I'm really questioning if if there's not a uh, a leak somewhere that's uh, uh, not keeping your P traps full. Oh, really? Yeah, should not be going over to the dishwasher. Okay. Uh, so check for that. Yeah, check and and see if there's a leak somewhere that's letting the P traps dry out. And okay. th- that would that would allow anything that's down in the pipes to be coming up, as well as the sewer gas smell. 
but I'm not getting a sewer that gas smell. Well, you don't you you don't always oh. though. Yeah. Okay, so it could be somewhere in the house. Would it be where they? Well, are they only in the kitchen, or are they in uh, bathrooms and no, stuff as well? Well, just a little bit of application took care of them in the rest of the house. It seems like they're mainly concentrated in the kitchen. So maybe that's something I can get checked. Yep. Okay. Get, get that kitchen line checked and uh, probably snake it out just to get any buildup of gunk that's in there. Okay. I'll do that. Okay. Take care, Kathy. Right. Thank you. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. He says, hey, Jim, feel like I've known you for a long time. I listen to your radio show whenever I'm driving around on Saturday. You always know what to do. That said, I have one window that has condensation in between the panes, and I would like to get it replaced. All the commercials I hear on the great WBAP are selling 10 windows. Can you suggest a company I can just buy one window from? Installed, of course. I also have a friend that has a big bay window in her kitchen. She says both sides of sheetrock frame is wet. Any ideas? Maybe someone she can call. Thank you, sir. You're awesome, Chris. Well, Chris, let's talk about the one window first. Uh, you know, if it's just that one window and you don't have others that are acting up, have the glass pack replaced. You don't have to replace the entire frame. Um, there are glass companies who will build you a new glass pack and it's easy to pop them in and you're done. And that way your window frame and everything still matches all the other windows in the home. Now I know there's a glass place in Plano that does it, but uh, there's a lot of glass places around and Capel actually has a couple of glass places and I'm sure one of them probably does it as well. So just call around and tell them you've got a window that's fogged up and you just want to replace the glass pack. And they'll know what you're talking about and be and uh, be able to tell you, yeah, they can do it, or no, we don't, but here's probably somebody you can call that does. Now, as far as that sheetrock getting wet, I'm betting that it's in the sealant around the window itself because uh, typically those bay windows because of the angles that they're at, there's kind of an opening there. And if it wasn't sealed up properly where the window frame meets the brick because of the angles and stuff, and the fact that the window sits out, it gets wetter than a regular window, that causes them to leak. Now, the other place it can leak, some bay windows have their own roof above them. And that can be problematic as well, especially the flashing up above it so it, it's kind of going to depend on what she's got going there but the fact that it's happening on both sides and it sounds like it's running down the sides of it i'm betting it's just going to be a matter of caulking on the outside around the window itself hello ken hey jim i'm and you're the guru on uh, driveways <laughs> well i've done a, a a driveway or two over the years yeah <laughs> Well, what I've got is a circle drive, and uh, at the low spot, you know, it kind of slopes inward instead of out to the outside of the circle. Okay. And uh, it holds a lot of water, and I I put a, a six-inch PVC pipe in it about 10 or 15 years ago, and obviously 
over time that's all covered up. I dug that out, and now I need to put something else in there, and I'm not sure what exactly would be the right approach to that. Well, you say you dug it out. What, what did you have to dig out? What, is it a catch basin uh, there, or is there is is it subsurface? I, I just put a pipe in there and covered it up with gravel, and then over time, you know, the soil has covered it all up, clogged it up. So yep. I dug it out, and now I've got a I got a trench that I need to put in there to put another pipe in. But uh, my question is, when the way the thing slopes towards the inside rather than to the outside, because the water will come down towards the uh, the inside of it and then then it's going to go back uphill to get it out of there so right how far do i have to dig down on the opposite side in order to make that slope out before the water will drain out well you and need one a- guy su- suggests that i put a box on one end to catch it and then a box on the other end to let it flow out so i don't have to dig up the entire yard yeah, and you can use a pop-up is what they call them to uh-huh. to let the water out uh, rule of thumb is you need a one eighth inch slope per foot, uh, in, in order for the pipe to have the proper fall. Okay. How how deep do I need to go down below where the water sets? You don't. He was suggesting two and a half feet, and then Why? Put like six inches of gravel down, and then put a twelve fifteen inch pipe, and then cover it up with gravel. <laughs> Man, what he's oh. putting? It, what is he putting in your regular culvert? Yeah, he's going to put a culvert in. That's okay. basically what he was going to do. Yeah, Are he's you... going to put a, a a pipe on one or, or a catch pan on one end and then the overflow on the other end. Yeah, so I don't have to dig ever. So, are are you getting that much water that flows through there to to justify a sixteen inch culvert? I mean, that's well, that, that's, that's the stuff that's that you I'm, use for a drainage ditch, not yeah. Well, I'm, that's what I'm trying to figure out. What's what's the best solution for this? It just so, holds water whenever it uh, when it drains. It doesn't drain out because it's low in the inside. And right. Then, you know. Now, when when you had it uh, with just a six inch pipe, uh, when you first put that in, did that handle the water? It's pretty much yeah. Yeah. So, I think a sixteen inch is just going to be way overkill. Um, okay. And did you did you already take that six inch pipe out? Yeah. Right, and it was clogged up probably four foot inside the pipe. Yep. So I just now I, I will tell you I don't use flex pipe and all that kind of stuff. I would go uh, on something like that with probably a schedule forty. Uh, I don't I don't always step up to a schedule forty, but given uh, the fact that it can clog up that way, if you put a schedule forty in it, you can run a snake through it to clean it out when it starts plugging up and keep that pipe flowing and not have to replace it again in the future. Um, as far as how to do the rest of it, I really, without looking at it, wouldn't be able to give you a good layout because uh, I don't see all the terrain. Uh, right. You know, just, just talking this way. you recommend? What's the OD on it? Oh, just a stand. It sounds like, to me, a standard 6-inch Schedule 40 PVC pipe would do what you're trying to do. But again, I'm not there looking at it. I may change sure. my mind if I looked at it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, okay. you know, the, the but the fact that the six inch was doing it before indicates to me that's really all you need to put in again. All right. So, and the depth. The depth only has to be down enough to where you're in the low part 
you want your pipe at the lowest part uh, to catch the water. And then, uh-huh. like I said, a minimum of eighth inch slope per foot and just end. run it out to the other end where you can daylight it somewhere. Would you would you put those uh, catch pans on each end of it? Would that be something that would be advisable? Well, on the exit end, how's the water going to get out of there? Well, I'm going to have to dig it out low enough to where it it'll drain out because it's you know it's got like a not a berm but it is higher on the outside than it is on the inside. So. Yeah, and, and so are you draining it into a ditch or or just out into the yard? Just out into the yard. See, you're going to have to somehow get it out far enough to where it opens up because the water's not going to go back up to get out into the yard. It's It's got to be something where uh, the, the pipe opens up and, and lets the water out. I'm going to have to probably go further out in the yard than I really want to. Yeah. Now, your other option, there is another option, is, is to just put a pump over there. And with that, you just have to run a two-inch line. Because your your standard like half horse pump for something like this will move 150 gallons a minute, a, a minute, never mind, hundred, not a minute, uh, 150 <laughs> gallons an hour, and uh, you know through a two inch line you can just run it over there, have it on a pop up, and that's that's going to take care of a bunch of water for you, and you won't have to run lines out into the yard and stuff. But the downside is you got to have power. Yeah. Okay. Well, that give me an idea of what I need to look into. All righty. Well, if you need any help with it, call my office, and we'd be more than happy to look at it for you. Let's head over to Fort Worth. And, Mark, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hey, Jim. Had a had a contractor question. I've got a pretty big job. I'm about ready to start about $200,000 remodel. And it's that the contractor is just the general contractor. He doesn't do actually any of the work. He obviously just hires out salts and things like that. Once a 30% deposit up front, I didn't know if that was normal. Every other job I've ever done, the guy just comes out, works it, and I pay him as the work's completed. But uh, I want to get your thoughts on that. Well, are you are you having him custom order things? Uh, no, it's basic, uh, just back like sheetrock. We had a flood. We had water pipes break back in, you know, the freeze. And uh, they're just putting the house back together at this point. There's nothing uh, nothing really custom. Okay. And the reason I ask that, anything that's custom that they order has to be paid for in advance and is not returnable. And so in that type of situation... Yeah, I'd be asking for a deposit to cover those type of expenses. Um, I will tell you in my own business, in the foundation repair business, um, I get half when I start and half upon completion because I just got okay. a bunch of labor going into that type of job. But on, on uh, my air conditioning company and my plumbing company, uh, depending on what we're doing in the plumbing, some of them we get a deposit, some of them we don't. AC, we normally put it in and collect upon completion. So... It really depends on the size of the project, and being a $200,000 project, uh, yeah, I would charge probably 25% down and then have draws as I'm completing certain marks on the project. Okay. Uh, That way you're covered and he's covered both. Okay. Breedmont, Texas. Brad, how are you today? 
Oh, we just getting by, getting hot, and, and uh, just trying to take care of business, I guess you could say. <laughs> <laughs> well, what you got going on? Well, I've got a foundation problem. Got a leak in my foundation. Um, we come out yesterday morning and noticed that there was water standing on the back porch. Um, we shut all the water off and kind of let everything dry out and then turned it back on, and you could hear it running from inside the house, but it was uh, puddling up on the on the back porch outside. So we've got a busted line somewhere in the foundation. Okay. And my question is, how do I go about finding it? You know, there, there are companies who specialize because they make special equipment, sound detecting equipment, to locate exactly where those leaks are. And okay. uh, then, then you would just jackhammer into the concrete and fix that leak because, uh, yeah. I mean, you can tunnel underneath if you want, but a lot of times those pipes are embedded into the concrete anyways, and especially since it's outside like it is, that's probably going to be the way to do it. Um, companies like American Leak Detectors have equipment that can do that. Uh, there's other huh? companies as well, but it's going to be a leak detection company. Okay. All right, then. That's kind of what I was guessing. Just looking at it this morning, and it's like, I don't think I want to go to busting out all the concrete and then trying to dig it up under no. there myself. <laughs> now, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh-huh. give you. Let me ask you a couple quick questions here. Is when when you got up, the water was in an isolated area. You shut it off, waited for it to dry out. Did the water come back in that same isolated area? Yes. Chances are really really good that's exactly where it's at yeah yeah but the 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 back porch the is is as far as the slab Uh is not connected to the house okay um you know like they put a little one by down there yep expansion joint yeah yeah yeah. and that's where the water is accumulating is in that expansion joint yeah see that could be anywhere Uh, then that could be about, um, I'm saying there's about 10-foot uh, area there that the water is, you can't you can't necessarily see it and pinpoint yep. it at one spot. Yeah, so. yeah, so, yeah, you're, you're going to be stuck getting a, a leak detection company out there first, and, and, then, okay. and then you can do the repair yourself or hire a plumber, or, you know, a lot of the leak detection places will offer to fix it as well. Okay, uh, all right, then. All right, well, being as we so far south of you, <laughs> yeah, uh, is, well, you, is there any of them bunches in Waco? Do you know of? Uh, in Waco, you'll probably. And I, I was going to say you're probably out far enough. You're going to have a problem getting somebody, but Waco is actually going to be your best bet. Okay, okay. All right, then I'll, I'll just look up leak detection then and see if yep. we can go from there. Sounds good. All right, appreciate your help. You bet. I'll have Take a care. Blessed weekend. You as well. And again, 1-800-288-9227. You know, one of the biggest mistakes people make on these leaks is something he was smart enough not to do. They just start digging and uh, looking for it. And, uh, you know, it can be 10, 15 feet away. So you you do, do, don't want to do that, especially if you're going through concrete. And, and in his situation where it was coming up between the expansion joints, you know, in the expansion joint there, yeah, it, there's no telling where it's at. The one fortunate thing is because it's an expansion joint, the grade beam would keep the 
water from under the home from coming up there. So it is going to be on the outside of the home, and that's going to help in the cost and should make it a little easier to find and fix as well. Well, David from Henderson says, if I put energy cue down on the floor of my attic, would it be okay to put blown fiberglass on top of energy cue? If so, how thick can I go? Thank you, Jim. Well, absolutely. But I think what you're going to find is if you put the energy cue down, you don't need the fiberglass insulation on top. Uh, in my personal house, I have anywhere from zero insulation to six inches. And about a third of my house has no insulation, just the energy cue. And it works just fine. If you want to put some insulation, though, I would typically recommend you put the insulation first, then add the energy cue. Because what the energy cue will do if you do that is keep the heat that gets in the attic from getting down into the insulation, which allows the insulation to do a better job. But the nice thing about the energy Q radiant barrier is it's a multi-layer system, thermal break in the middle, that can be sandwiched between building materials. So like if you're building a, a new home, you could actually put this behind the sheetrock even and, and still have insulation and, and not have to worry about it. Uh, so the short answer is yes, you can put it down and put the insulation on top. I would recommend you take a look at the Milo insulation but uh, yeah, you can definitely do that. So William and McKinney says, Jim, would you recommend doing mini split in a house that had three bedrooms and three bathroom upstairs? Downstairs has one bedroom, two bathrooms, family room, den, kitchen, dining room. Well, you actually can. A lot of people don't realize, but a mini split type system can be used through the entire home and depending on what system you get uh, will depend on how many uh, units inside you have. So the way it works, I'm, I'll use my house as an example. I have a mini split system here at my house. I've got one uh, condensing unit outside and then upstairs in uh, the big game room upstairs, there's one head unit and in my patio room downstairs there's a head unit takes care of everything for those two for those two rooms you can get systems that can be broken up into uh, up to 16 different rooms uh, it, it's just a matter of buying the right unit for outside so the short answer is you absolutely can do that now here's the advantages to it Every room can set their own temperature. So if you got one person who likes to sleep in uh, 68 degree temperature and another person who likes it 72, you can absolutely do that. Now, there's a in some of the systems, depending on how the system is installed, you can actually have one room with air conditioning going and another room with heat going. But again, you got to have the right system set up for that. So, uh, yeah, these mini split systems, they will eventually take over the market for air conditioning. Not quite there yet, but in European countries, it's already there. And I mean, that's where these systems came from. They, they don't even use the regular duct systems like we have nowadays. 
Uh, they, they've gone strictly with these mini splits because they're so energy efficient uh, and, and they last actually longer than a conventional air conditioning system. So, yeah, you can do it. Mary in Northwest Houston, how can I help you? Hello, Jim. How are you? Um, I have a question regarding uh, my two front windows that uh, when sometimes it rains, the rain comes, you know, comes through, uh, the rain comes through the windows, and um, sometimes it was okay. And then uh, the house was built in, back in 1994, almost 28 years old. And uh, is it, I'm not sure um, how long does it, you know, should it, should I replace the windows or the totally or uh, have, you know, somebody uh, come in and like a cock in or and, and see what happens? Where's the water coming in? Is it coming in around the glass or coming around the window frame? From the window frame. Okay. Then you don't need to replace the windows. Uh, it's more than likely going to be the caulking. And uh, is this a two-story house? Yes, sir. Make sure they're doing the windows on the second floor as well, because a lot of times what happens, the windows leak on the second floor. It runs mm-hmm. down and hits the steel lentil above the window on the first floor and lets that water leak around the lentil, and that's the water you see coming in the house. Oh, okay. But I didn't notice that that was water on the second floor window. You, don't, you, won't, you won't see it on the second floor. You'll only see it on the first only see on the first. Okay. Yep. Okay. So it just needs to be cocking the frame. Yeah, that's, that's what it I sounds needed. like. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Appreciate you take it. care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Let's head up to Madisonville and Rodney. Welcome to 740 KTRH. Thank you, Jim. I have a house out here that's uh, got the 105, I guess you call it, ship lap yeah. on it. It's about 30 years old. And uh, I've got a few boards that are starting to rot around the bottom of the house so i want to go four feet up and put my treated plywood um or possibly hardy plank okay now um do i need to one thing remove all the rotten wood and do i need to like put a tyvek wrap you know uh when i do that uh on the house first before i come back and you know cover it up yes and yes Uh, absolutely you've got to remove any rotten wood because if you don't it's like a cancer. It'll just keep growing and destroy the house behind whatever siding is on there. Yeah, and, sir, I was thinking that. Yeah. And yes, you do need to put a Tyvek or a Hardy wrap or something behind Hardy siding if you put it up. Uh, and really, any type of siding should have a wrap behind it because, you know, all of the sidings have where they can have leakage. And what the Hardy Wrap or Tyvek does, it allows a house to breathe, but if, like, rainwater is hitting it, it stops rainwater from going through, you know, and just lets it run down without destroying the wood that's behind. Yes. Makes sense. Well, I sure appreciate it, Jim. Thank you again, buddy. Not a problem. You take care. There's, There's going to be a new subdivision built behind my house. They will be adding tons of dirt as the area is very low and was used as a runoff for Oyster Creek when it was a a horse farm. I've read that foundations may break with all the ponding uh, that such a development will require to pack the dirt. 
Should I get my foundation certified as to its soundness before this begins? Is there any accountability that can be leveled at the developer or the MUD should any of us suffer foundation problems during the uh, after this construction? If something were to crack, would it be an immediate or slow effect? Well, let me tell you, it's, it's typically going to be a slow effect. It's not going to be something that's going to happen rapidly, but you can have the foundation checked and they can do a uh, elevation survey where they basically use the compu levels to take the elevations and draw it all up, make sure that the, they know where the house sits right now. And that can be used for years to come to do a comparison and then see what's high and what's low. And should the need arise to go against a, a builder or developer, you have the ammunition you need. So yes, you definitely can do that. And uh, I, I really actually would recommend it in the situation that you just uh, brought up. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.